time. Not only was the offense amazing with Rodgers, their defense, and they're getting back to Darius Smith. Oh, my God, their defense is amazing. Their special teams, of course, sucked, but, like, you don't think special teams is ever going to be a major factor in any game. Obviously, this game we were wrong. But but it's just this is the this is the best Packers team they're gonna have in a while. Most likely Rodgers is not back. I don't think he'll retire. I think he'll go someplace like the Steelers or something. But just brutal. Like it's just I don't know what it is. It's just failure after failure in, uh, in the postseason. I mean, obviously they're a great regular season team, but it's partly on Aaron Rodgers, partly on other stuff too. I'm not, I, I can't really quite assess it. It's almost like, I hate using this, but it's almost like a weird juju where the Packers just can't seem to win. You, it used to be division. It used to be, um, it, now it's divisional, but it used to be, um, why am I blanking? Semifinals, it's not semifinals. Conference championship. Oh, thank you, Eddie. <laughs> wow, that was a brain fart. But, um, but yeah, but I don't know exactly what it is. Every piece was there for them to win. They didn't, and just another disappointment for the Packers because they really had that game, on the, especially on the defensive side, all wrapped up. I know uh, who, who was on the call for that game. I forget, but they were mentioning that like if they can just hold the, they, if they can just hold on, they're not sure the the 49ers can score another seven points, even with the Packers lackluster offense at that point. And of course, five play five plays later comes the blocked field goal, comes the blocked punt. But even then, you're like. Well, the Packers have had mostly all the momentum. They should be fine, but obviously something – they just don't – they have the, the anti-Tom Brady effect where something always seems to go right for Tom Brady, something always seems to go wrong for um, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and Rodgers, it's just crazy too with the Green Bay Packers. And this was all over Twitter after that game because many people obviously think this is it for Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. So – the Packers went directly from Brett, ha- Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, two Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks, 30 years straight of Favre or Rodgers, and they have as many Super Bowl wins in two as the Ravens did in that span with Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco as their quarterbacks. So uh, it, it's just really a, what makes you wonder about how well run this Packers organization really is because they've had generational quarterback talents back to back and just haven't been able to get the job done. And for Green Bay, like you said, it used to be the conference championship these last two years against San Fran and then against Tampa where they couldn't get through. Now this time, bounced in the divisional playoffs. And what does this say also about the home field advantage they allegedly have at Lambeau Field that they used to have in the past? And everybody would talk about how scary it is going into that environment in the snow in January. Aaron Rodgers is 5-4 and four in playoff games at Lambeau Field. That's not very good for someone who's supposed to be such a great quarterback and have such great home field advantage in that situation. And it's it's just crazy to see how this has really diverged. And for the Packers, I think they're going to be entering a tough time. Uh, still, might, even if Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are gone, they still might manage to win the NFC North just because of – how terrible that division is, but the Packers are not going to be the same team going forwards, but it's really, they've missed out. There was so much potential with that team and they haven't been able to get it. Brett, I want to let you get your take on this as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like, you know, Aaron Rodgers and just the Packers organization in general, it's been really unlucky. You know, they've, they've drafted two great quarterbacks back to back and they only have the two Super Bowls to show for it and consistent playoff losses um but but I feel like you know if if we're talking about the management here it goes back to where they're using their premium draft assets a lot of the picks have been on defense 
a lot of these defensive picks haven't panned out over the years. As a result, you know, you're you're taking a hit on offensive skill positions. And don't get me wrong, you know, the, the Packers have been able to overcome that and find uh, find late round gems, sign guys in free agency. Um and they they've made out just fine, but you know, in the draft when they picked Jordan Love at the end of the first round and you could have gotten maybe a maybe a better receiver out of it or an offensive player that wasn't a backup quarterback that's not going to play on his rookie contract if Rodgers continues to play at this high of a level just doesn't make sense in my opinion and we saw how it was when Jordan Love had to play the one game it, it was absolutely atrocious and and the Packers got smacked around so I don't know I just don't I just don't think they've built around their quarterbacks properly and that's why they find themselves in the position that they're in now so yeah go ahead Ellis yeah Eddie you mentioned you know two generational quarterbacks in what 30 years right like Packers fans are spoiled right most teams some teams don't even have any generational quarterbacks ever most teams probably have one over the years but some teams like have none so the fact they have two for a 30 year span can only win two Super Bowls is just two top 10 quarterbacks of all time. And he can only win two Super Bowls is, it's disgraceful for, for everyone involved, everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's simply put, but uh, so the Packers going home, Aaron Rodgers don't really know what's going to happen. He is one of many quarterbacks that could potentially be on the move this off season. Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, Carson Wentz, the list goes on and on of potential players, quarterbacks who could be on the move. I think we're going to see a lot of shuffling coming up in this off season. Going to be a crazy off season between the nine coach fillings that now have to come with Sean Payton stepping down today we'll get more to that uh in rapid fire but uh Packers falling at home it's it's just it's so crazy how this divisional playoff went because the thing is all four of these games were great but they got progressively better with each game Bengals Titans was a very good game and that was the worst one of the weekend I guess but like it was still so fun with you had some late game turnovers Joe Burrow overcoming the nine sacks and uh it was just such an improvement. When we were on this show last week, we were talking about how Wild Card Weekend was largely a letdown because four of the six games were blowouts, and the other two had a lot of officiating controversy that ended up uh, taking the headway rather than the focus on them being great games. But this time, you had four spectacular games, all all-time classics, and really, really good for the NFL, and we mentioned their ratings earlier through the moon this past weekend, um, but... It was amazing to see how the Bengals-Titans game was really good. Then the Packers-Niners game, as soon as that blocked punt happened, I was just stunned. And I was like, is San Francisco actually going to do this? And then we saw that thrilling finish. We were like, okay, we had two great games on Saturday. I know the two prime matchups were going to be on Sunday. Were we going to get as great of games? We see the Rams take this big lead. We're like, okay, whatever. That's that's going to be the blowout. Then all of a sudden, Tom Brady channels 2016 Tom Brady mode and comes on this wild comeback, and the Rams keep coughing up the ball. Al Michaels is going crazy, and the Rams escape by the chin of their skinny teeth teeth. And then you get the Chiefs' bills, which start to finish from the opening kickoff to the very end when Mahomes found Kelsey in the end zone. It's a spectacular game. And 
both quarterbacks going back and forth nearly flawless the defenses had some stops early in the first half but then these two quarterbacks just took it on themselves they were leading rushers for their teams as well really shows the new era of quarterback we have in the NFL and just the way that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are playing and then you got Tony Romo just going crazy on the broadcast like Jim Jim this is just the best game I've ever seen in my life and you know it was Romo does that he starts geeking out yeah 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 he just always gets excited but uh it, it was it was so great to see all four of these games happen but now I want to get to some picks because we've got conference championship weekend it's going to be hard to live up with what happened last week but let's start with the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs and the Bengals. The Chiefs are favored by seven points right now. Patrick Mahomes has all the momentum on his side. Fourth straight year, the AFC Championship will go through Arrowhead Stadium. Joe Burrow, of course, got the big win over the Titans and over the Raiders already. But Chiefs-Bengals, I'll let Ellis pick first. Who are you going with in this one? Yeah, you know, I think the Bengals have a... No, actually, I, I think the Chiefs are going to win this one. The Bengals' O-line is way... No, the Chiefs' pass rush has gone much better over the last. I know their secondary is still awful, um, but their pass rush has gone much better over the last eight weeks and then the postseason. And this Bengals O line, they're they're not getting away with nine sacks against against the Chiefs. It's just not happening. So yeah, Chiefs. I like the Chiefs too. I think it's going to be close. I know the Bengals got the win over Kansas City a couple of weeks ago, but really hard to bet against Pat Mahomes at home on this stage and it seems like the Chiefs all of those errors and problems that they had earlier in the season when they were three and four have all gone away so I'm gonna go with Kansas City Brett how about you I'm gonna go with Kansas City also because anytime you have a you have to bet on a team in a shootout situation or or, or even or even just a game of offense in general um, the, the Chiefs take home the cake and I I, I think they're gonna do it again they they are they they got home field advantage. They have all the momentum on their side over the second half of the season and the beginning of these playoffs. And I just don't see a way that they're not going to make the uh, the Super Bowl here, especially with the Bengals O line the way it is. And like Ellis was just saying, an improved pass rush headed by Chris Jones. And this is I mean it, it's the Chiefs to lose. W- would I love to see an upset? Absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing would be better than seeing the Bengals make it, especially in Joe Burrow's second year and Jamar Chase's like offensive rookie of the year type performance. But I think the Chiefs are going to take it home. Let's go to the Cali showdown in the NFC. Now, what's also great about this conference championship weekend, we have rematches of two of the best games from the regular season. Chiefs Bengals was wild, I think week 16 or 17. And then Rams Niners just three weeks ago at SoFi Stadium those teams matched up the Rams clinched the NFC West but lost in overtime to the 49ers as San Francisco snuck into the postseason as San Francisco is all the way to the conference championship game here riding the momentum two big wins in Dallas in Green Bay as underdogs and now Jimmy Garoppolo looking to get to his second Super Bowl I'll go first here I'd love to see the upset I'd love to see the 49ers pull it off but I just don't see any real path to do this. And with all the injuries they suffered in that game in the frozen tundra in Green Bay, 
Will Nick Bosa be healthy? Will Debo Samuel, who came up lame late in that game after getting a clutch run to set up the field goal, is he going to be available? George Kittle was getting banged up. So if the defense is injured and you've got those few weapons you have on offense tied up, where are your points coming from? And it's there's only so much you can do to hold back Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. And the 49ers do not have the best secondary. We saw how the Cowboys were able to march down the field throwing the ball on that last drive before Dak Prescott made his uh, fatal quarterback draw decision. Um, but... I like the Rams in this one. I think the Rams are going to get back to the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford will make his first Super Bowl appearance, and they'll get the job done over the 49ers. Ellis, uh, how about you? All I've heard all week from everyone is Rams, 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 Rams. And, you know, I understand, but you say there's no path to victory, Eddie, but the 49ers are 2-0 and in the season series. And, in fact, I know we're talking about the last game we talked about where the 49ers had that impressive comeback in OT. But but no, um, I forget what week this was. I think it was around like the middle of the season. The 49ers blew out the Rams 31 to 10. And you know, there's no doubt the Rams are way more dynamic than the 49ers and have the potential to blow out, but they have consistently throughout the season. We saw with the Buccaneers made a mistake, are are proven, excuse me, to be extremely mistake prone. And the 49ers are a team that as we saw they capitalize on that they don't you know jimmy g isn't great but they don't really make money mistakes i would say personally like fumbles turnovers jimmy g of course is bound for one how do you throw that interception interception a game but other than that they really don't make too many mistakes of course the injuries is a huge concern and i'm probably gonna go with the rams just because the talent but i'm here i'm here to give hope to you 49ers fans I think this. I think they could totally win it. I'm just a bit afraid to go bold, and maybe that's on me because I was afraid to go bold on the Bengals Titans, and I chose the Titans, and the Bengals won, and I didn't trust my gut. But watch out for the 49ers, even though I'm being contradictory and picking the Rams. Yeah, here's a disclaimer on me. I went 0 for 4 last week with my divisional picks, so I wouldn't take. If you're a betting person, wouldn't take any of my suggestions to heart. But oh, uh, four, boy. <laughs> I, 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 I went one for four. Don't worry. I went one for four. But I went six for six in the wild card, so it makes up for it. I, that See, that's my problem because I thought we were going to see upsets in the wild card round. I thought crazy things were going to happen. I thought Belichick was taken to Buffalo or something, and I went like three for six in the wild card games. And then I was like, okay, then I guess I just, just got to pick the favorites, and I took Green Bay and Tampa and Tennessee, and they all lost. So uh, I don't really know what to predict. This has been such an unpredictable NFL season. But, Brett, over to you. What's your pick in the NFC Championship? game i think it's the rams to lose i i i have nothing but respect for the 49ers debo uh, samuel all year has been a versatile weapon for them elijah mitchell out of the backfield has emerged and kyle shanahan as a play caller has always been creative and keep and keeps defenses on their toes but i just can't bet against aaron donald Jalen ramsey von miller leonard floyd all those guys i just can't do it that that, that defense played I, I i mean granted they almost gave up a second half comeback but that was ma- you know that was mainly because they're on the field more because of offensive turnovers that's going to be the main test this game can can matthew stafford and the offense take care of the ball if they're able to it, it's a wrap i don't see any way the 49ers would be able to claw their way fo- uh towards a win if the rams play mistake free football but it's a big if but uh, but i'm still going to go with the rams at the end of the 
All right, so that's our picks. That's going to be it for our NFL postseason talk. we got one more segment coming up after the break. It's time for some rapid fire. We'll be discussing Sean Payton's exit, Antonio Brown rumors, uh, the NBA changing their uh, all-star, a rising stars format, and also setting the stage for Rutgers men's basketball. All of that to come in the last 20 minutes after this break. You're listening to Tuesday edition of the WRSU crew on 88.7 WRSU FM New Brunswick and at WRSU.com. Here on the WRSU crew, final 15 minutes, as you heard, uh, we had to make some changes in our log, so apologies for that, but we are up uh, to rapid fire, so we do have a few things to get to here in these final 15 minutes of today's show, Uh, so let's start with the big news of the day in the NFL, Sean Payton stepping away as Saints head coach, and he has adamantly said in today's press conference he's not planning on coaching next year. Maybe he'll come back to coach at another time, but after 16 seasons, including a Super Bowl title, Sean Payton is no more in New Orleans. After a crazy season, they had four different quarterbacks, still managed to be an NFL postseason contention entering Week 18, but Ellis, what do you make of the decision here? Sean Payton heading out and the Saints ushering a new era of football in New Orleans. Surprising, but respect to him. Not much more to say, to be honest, but yeah, great career. Good to, will always be remembered for that one Super Bowl with Breeze, but he definitely, does, he definitely deserves his semi-retirement. I'm not sure if he's going to come back, but potential retirement. Brett, what's your opinions on this move? Very surprising. Um, I am very curious how the Saints are going to go about this now. It looks like their top two coaching candidates at the moment are the defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen, and the Lions defensive coordinator, whose name is slipping me right now. It's Aaron something, but I'm just forgetting the last name. Um, You know, the Saints are in a very interesting prediction right now. They have negative $74 million in cap room, and their GM is consistently pushing it to the future here uh, in terms of the voidable contracts and, and all these different things that they've been doing to extend their uh, contention window. So the, Sa- the Saints, in my opinion, the, the, the job's very enticing, you know, because of the skill position players. You have, you have Kamara. If Michael Thomas ever comes back, you got Michael Thomas. Marquise Callaway, Mark Ingram, even if they keep him around, you know, he's good in that system. Um and and that defense, you know, even though they might lose Marcus Williams, um, this this coming off season, you know, it's still pretty potent. But at the same time, they're in such a cap purgatory right now that I don't know what's going to happen. Let's talk about another team that's looking to make some moves. The Baltimore Ravens had a tough year derailed by injuries throughout the season. Uh, And then there's Antonio Brown, who four hours ago on Twitter posted a picture of himself flexing his muscles in a Ravens uniform. There was something about the day or two ago on a podcast where he said if he could play for any quarterback right now, it would be Lamar Jackson. Let's not forget, we are only four weeks removed from Antonio Brown taking off his jersey mid-game, giving a peace sign and running off the field shirtless in the middle of a game against the New York Jets and leaving the Tampa Bay Buccaneers due to an alleged ankle injury. And we still don't really know the truth to any of this, but Antonio Brown now wants to join the Baltimore Ravens. He has had a relationship in the past. He has trained with both Lamarcus, uh, Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown uh, in off-season training camp before. So, uh, Ellis, do you really see this potentially working out for Antonio Brown? Do you think the Ravens could be his fifth home in the NFL next season? 
Oh, it's, it's really hard to say with anything with Antonio Brown. I don't know if it would be a great fit, to be honest. But, um, I mean, it's possible. I, don't, I wouldn't predict. If I was a betting man, I'll put it this way. If I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on it. But it's possible. I mean, he's still good, very good. So, I think a team's willing to take a chance on them. I don't know if the Raiders is that team, though. Or the, sorry, the Raiders. Excuse me. The Ravens are that team. But I guess, I guess it's possible. I just, the, the, you know, I, I'm not really sure how I feel about Antonio Brown. If what he says is true about why he stormed off makes total sense. But it's hard to say because of his past. He has no ethos to be credible anymore. So it's really hard to say. I would stay away from him if I were the Ravens myself. But I could see someone taking a chance on the talent. I mean, the talent's clearly there. Well, you mentioned the great fit thing. Is there any NFL team that's actually any sort of great fit for Antonio Brown at this point? Fair I, mean, but my, I guess my point is Antonio Brown demands the ball and the Ravens don't really throw the ball that much, right? Like, I don't think I like Brady loved giving Antonio Brown the ball. That's why it kind of worked, right? Like, but Lamar Jackson that he doesn't like, I'm not a Lamar Jackson hater for sure, but it's not like he's chucking the ball 50 times like Brady was. I think Antonio Brown would take more of a Rashad Bateman role um, or like Marquise Brown role. So I don't think he'd be happy with what he's been getting. So that's, that's my point with the fit. That's true. Uh, like the two quarterbacks that Antonio Brown has played for are guys who are not mobile, Tom Brady and big Ben who would throw the ball 50, 60 times a game. So he'd get his targets the last game before the blow up. He had 15 targets from Tom Brady. So I do, I do get that, but I just am shocked if the Ravens are seriously considering this, giving Antonio Brown a chance so quickly, I, I mean, how many times can you do this and realize that he is not really going to work and that he is a ticking time bomb? You can only have him on a team for so long. It's shocking that the Bucks even brought him back after the whole tobacco with the fake vax card, uh, and then it led to the ultimate blow-up. And it's just he is so back and forth with things like for example the other day he's wishing Tom Brady luck in the playoffs prior to Sunday's game and then as soon as the game ends he's going crazy posting memes with him holding up a sign and it's a photoshop picture of him in the Jets end zone holding up Bucks eliminated I mean he's so back and forth with everything I just don't see how a team could reasonably take a chance on him again at this point after what happened with the Bucks game because like we said on this show before all of his issues had never really uh, went to on the field directly affecting his in-game productivity until now. Now it's actually affecting his ability to play football. Other stuff was all off the field chaos, which is one thing. Now it was on the field, and I don't really see how you well, can take a chance on him. I, I will say, Eddie, you say before it wasn't productive, but he froze his feet, gave his feet frostbite. You know, so before, too, it, he was hurting himself on the field as well. So he, you're right. He's a ticking time bomb. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, but that yeah, that was also preseason though. That wasn't mid-game in a game where the sure. Bucks really needed to win for seeding purposes. But Brett, I want to let you get in on this too about AB. Man, I don't, I, I don't think he'd be a fit with the Ravens at all if Greg Roman's offensive coordinator, because most of the packages with Lamar Jackson in the game is centered around short passes and design runs to maximize Lamar Jackson's speed. Now, Antonio Brown, like you're saying, he's demanding targets. Will, I, I, I think that would take away from everybody else on the offense. Like 
yes, maybe it'll give Marquise Brown more space on the outside. But for a guy like Mark Andrews, who built up such a good, you know, had such good momentum towards the end of the season there. Granted, it was with Tyler Huntley at quarterback. But, you know, a guy like that taking away from Lamar or taking away targets from himself, you know, going to Antonio Brown, I, I don't think it's good for continuity. And I, I also don't think Lamar is enough of a pocket presence to feed all the mouths in that offense. And and Antonio Brown, you know, it's like you're saying, Eddie, he's a ticking time bomb. He'll, you know, watch him get not get as many targets one game, then completely blow up on Lamar, pull a similar incident, go to the media, and then what? Then you're right back where you started. I, I don't think any team is going to take a flyer on him. You know, there, there has been speculation that a couple teams have come calling already, but I feel like that's just his his PR team releasing reports to gauge NFL interest still. I don't see him getting on a roster. I guess if a team's desperate enough after what he just pulled, maybe, but I wouldn't count on it. Before we preview Rutgers basketball, one quick thing I want to get Brett's opinion on. NBA announced the Rising Stars Challenge, getting a little bit of a change. Now it's going to be a mini tournament instead of the one game. It's going to be four teams of seven players each that they get team captains and get to select. It's going to be 10, uh, 12 rookies, 12 sophomores, and then four players, four of the best from the G League. I love this move, getting G League players involved, getting some more hype around that game. We'll also get to see some young stars kind of pair up. I'd love to see LaMelo Ball, for example, lobbing it up to Obi Toppin, those kind of things. I, I, I like this move. I think the NBA is adding some more interest to a Rising Stars Challenge that has kind of fallen by the wayside over these last few years. I completely agree with you that the Rising Stars Challenge was dying in terms of viewership over the last few years. You know, the the original format for it, the rookies versus sophomores itself, was, was already declining. And then when they changed it to Rising Stars, I feel like it just completely got forgotten about. And, and then when they had that period where it was USA versus Europe, it, it completely fell by the wayside. So I, I, I personally like the NBA's attempt here to revive the um, – the opening round of all-star weekend festivities now with those changes I still think it's going to be the tertiary event here you know everybody's going into all-star weekend wanting to watch you know the the best three-point shooters duke it out in the three-point contest and hoping for a good dunk contest even the all-star game you know this year they changed I I believe they changed the format up too you know where they're they're playing to 75 points in honor of the 75th season and, you know, just what they're doing with the All-Star game, I feel is going to get more appeal than the Rising Stars game. But but I like the NBA's attempts. It's definitely different. It's unique. And, and the tournament style, I'm sure, is going to pique fans' interest and at least get them to tune in to see what it's all about. So final five minutes, let's preview the action. We're going to be getting it out to Jersey Mike's Arena in just a few minutes. Rutgers and Maryland. Scarlet Knights already have a victory over Maryland earlier this season, but... Tough loss to Minnesota on Saturday that they really couldn't afford against a Golden Gophers team that was missing their three of their four top scorers. Peyton Willis went crazy with Steph Curry range from long range, had 34 points in the game, and Rutgers couldn't get the game winner from Geo Baker or Ron Harper Jr. So they are 
not in a situation where they can afford any more losses against mediocre Big Ten teams. Between the Minnesota loss and Lafayette and UMass, Rutgers has few chances left to really capitalize. They have two easy opponents left here, Maryland and then Saturday on the road in Nebraska. And then after that, it's a gauntlet of a schedule. They go to Mackey against Purdue. They play at Michigan, have a game against Illinois, Indiana a couple of times. It gets rough. So, Rutgers really needs to get these two wins, and it all starts tonight. So, Ellis, looking at this Scarlet Knights team that has played so well at home, what are you looking for from Rutgers tonight against a Maryland team that they really dominated on both sides of the ball when these teams faced off in College Park two weeks ago? Get Ron Harper Jr. his 20 points, please. I mean, I can talk about Rutgers basketball all day because I'm insanely frustrated because they look like a top-10 team in the country, and then they look like they can't beat Lafayette, which – Hmm, they have beat the top that team in the country, and hmm, they can't. They lost to Lafayette, but this is a must-win, as all games are pretty much at this point. I think they will win this game. I'm more, but as a, just the Rockers basketball, I don't want to stray too far away from this game. But you you got to win the road games against the now mid-tier Big Ten and the best teams in the Big Ten to get to the tournament. But this game, stop Ayala because he's their best player. Win the boards. I, I know that's what changed a lot in the first and second half of the first game, where in the first half they were down by 11, and in the second half they are up by 11. So win the boards, stop Ayala, and hit your shots. Three, three keys to the game. They do that, they win. Yeah, I think I think those are right hitting the nail on the head. And this is the sixth game of a seven-game easier Big Ten stretch for Rutgers. And I went into this thinking this. If you go 7-0, and you're firmly in the tournament race again. If you went 6-1, and one, you did their job. If you have two losses, uh, tough, but not the end of the world. Any more than two is really crushing. They already have two losses in this stretch. They've dropped Minnesota, uh, and they dropped on the road against Penn State in Happy Valley. They are in a must-win situation. I know a lot of people have been calling a lot of Rutgers games must-wins. Tonight and Saturday are absolute must-wins. They want any chance at making it going forward. So Ellis had some good points about his keys to the game. Brett, I want to turn it to you. What are you looking for for the Scarlet Knights tonight? I mean, it's like, it's like you guys have been saying, you know. I, I, I feel like we go one step forward two steps backwards where we we have a very convincing win and then we go into a um get going to a game the next week against an opponent that isn't as good as the team we just beat and then it ends up being a loss we're right back in this situation here of must win basketball at 11 and 7 and a shoddy away record you have to get a win on the road that this is something we've been saying the last few weeks now and and, and I think you know obviously it comes down to the basics you know it comes down to deep crashing the boards good good aggressive defense and pushing the pace on offense but lately it's been the inconsistent shooting from the Rutgers team that I feel like has been haunting them in these games and they just got to find a way to get to their spots and and free their guys up for good looks whether it's at the rim behind the arc at Geo Baker going from three um just just anybody really to provide that scoring spark plug to help Ron Harper Jr. out because he, he he's been balling out but I feel like the rest of the team around him in the scoring department is very inconsistent at times and that's something that just can't happen tonight in this Maryland game that's definitely a must win most annoying thing too is that most of these road opponents have been easy opponents they've had two really hard opponents on the road so far Seton Hall and Illinois besides that it's been lower tier Big Ten teams UMass and DePaul and to have as many losses as they do 
outside of Seton Hall in Illinois, you can chalk those up to probably two losses. Those weren't surprises. The other road games, they're one and five. They should not be that record. They should be at least three and three in those road games. And those are killer. And as well as you play at Jersey Mike's Arena, the committee, net rankings, they're not going to favor you that much if you can't win at home. So, I mean, excuse me, on the road. So the Scarlet Knights have to try to figure that out. Nebraska will be a big test on Saturday. But the focus tonight is continuing the hot rate at home because they've been playing really well. This is also Rutgers' first home game since the new semester began. So even though all students aren't completely back on campus, moving is this weekend if the first two weeks were virtual. Uh, expect a loud crowd and a big student section there at Jersey Mike's Arena tonight. But that will wrap up today's crew. Uh, Hope you enjoyed today's crew. A reminder that Hour 1 and Hour 2 will be posted on Spotify, so you can go back and listen at any time. Coming up after the break, Rutgers men's basketball, the Scarlet Knights and the Maryland Terrapins squaring off. It'll be Jake Schmid and Sean Ned Carney on the call from Jersey Mike's Arena. But that'll do it here for today's edition of The Crew. For Ellis Gordon and Brett Hahn, I'm Eddie Kalegi signing off. Crew every day. Three of us will be back next Tuesday. This is 88.7 WRSU-FM New Brunswick and at WRSU.org. Men's basketball up next.